0: This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to TheOneSummit.com. Thewellnesscoach.com, streaming wellness into your lives.
1: Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Kristoff and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of ageing well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the sensational legend, the co-founder of The Wellness Couch, and The
0: Wellness Guys this is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hi, Damien. Hello, Marcus. It's so good to be here again. Hey, uh, I think about that word legend a lot, and I think about the real true legends that we get on this show. We've got a great legend with us today, uh, and, and it feels legend. weird that you call me a legend. I'm going to have to uh, send you a little note later on.
1: Well, you you are a living legend, Damo. No, but I am I, uh, I am I'm <laughs> thrilled today. We are both thrilled today to be able to introduce our guest, Damo. One of the most intriguing parts of public life for me, yes. and I'm sure probably you and a lot of our listeners, is watching people whose careers come to an end, whether they're sporting careers, political careers, any careers. Yes. Um, whether it's a sudden end or a slow end, and how they transition into the next phase of their life. Yeah. And I really think this whole concept of transition is something that. Uh, we could probably focus more on um, on the podcast. But our guest today has done it beautifully. For those of you that are in uh, my vintage and Damo's vintage, you would probably know that Trevor Hendy is a six time surf lifesaving Ironman national champion. He's a member of the Australian Sporting Hall of Fame. And Damo, he's got his medal from the Queen. He is a member of the Order of Australia. Uh, most importantly, he's a Downerworth sensational human being. These days, Trevor is focused on helping people become more aware in their lives through his holistic coaching, team building and training, keynote speaking and special events. He's a father of four, married to his beautiful wife, Jo, who I was privileged to meet recently. Uh, and what I love about Trev Damo is that he hasn't dropped the ball since, retire, since retiring from his sporting career. He's an absolute picture of health and we are privileged to have the great Trevor Hendy join us on 100 Not Out today. Good
2: morning, Trev. Wow, boys, that's such a big intro.
1: Well, we <laughs> mean I'm every word of it, Cullen. I don't think there's uh, one word of a lie in there. Every bit of it's true. <laughs> and it was shortened. <laughs> no,
2: think, well, good to be on, on with both of you guys. And, um, no, it's I. I that, you know, um, Marcus, we had a, such a great chat the other day just about everything that's um, going on in life in general and stuff. And I think um, as I've gone through my life, you know, since sport, whatever else, It's those connections and that care and and, um, great communication that we can share with people that really makes a difference to life, I reckon. And um, we're all meant to be playing together. So I'm glad that through this little Skype technology and other things that we can do this.
1: It's sensational. Um, Trevor, I've got to ask you just first off, uh, one of the things that we only spoke about briefly on uh, – when did I meet? We, we met at, at uh, the, the world premiere of Overfed and Undernourished. It was just a, a couple of weeks ago by the yes. time this goes to air. But um, one of the things that we, we we only spoke about briefly but I'm fascinated to to hear you talk about is just how you transition out of your – uh, surf life-saving career because um, for those people that know me, I love my football, right? And I look at a lot of footballers who don't transition that well out of their sporting career. Mm. Uh, but people that are listening are like, well, I'm not a professional sports person. I'm not talking just about sport. I'm talking about whether it's a just your working career or whether it's transitioning into parenthood or out of, I suppose, full-time parenthood when the kids leave. But how did you do it and, and how difficult did you find it?
2: Well, we could we could talk about this subject for an hour easy, couldn't we? Or several hours? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You know, at first, and as you're talking, I was thinking there's so many things we could talk about. Um, the you know, obviously, the first thing is that life is is all about transition. It's constant change. You know, nothing's every moment's a new moment, and um, which is one of the sort of the credos that I live by is every moment's a living moment. You know, mm. and stuff happens. That's your opportunity. And I, um, I suppose for myself. All the way through sport, I was often the last person to leave the beach because I, I loved to connect with people. I loved to, you know, when people would sign autographs and do all that sort of stuff you do as a sportsman. And uh, I'd, I'd leave the beach the last person, but I'd be the one that would say, someone would say, oh, that was amazing how you came back and you did this and you did that. And I'd say to the person, yeah, but, you, you know, you can do that too. And they'd be like, oh, no, I can't. And I never failed to notice how many people... F- would see what I could do but didn't believe that they could do it. Yeah, wow. And, and it was, wasn't was like, oh, this is what I can do for me. It was just like me following a passion. I was excited. I loved the ocean. I had a competitive streak in me. Um, I had I loved the skill set of bouncing over waves and going under waves and going around them when you need to and finding the rip and everything else. So, And I'm answering your question as I say this because what happened was That's what happened when I got to the end of my career. A couple of things revealed itself was one was that I actually love helping people more than I love you know, eventually I loved helping people more than I loved winning my own gold medal, so to speak. Yeah. Um but secondly, the things that were always trying to shine through for me that shone through in my sporting career was when I got in a bad situation in a race, I'd find my way out of it. I'd always whether it was going under, going left, go my own way. I always had the song running through my head Gotta go to girl, your own way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think those things, it, it, what shows up in, in one stage of life, it's like the baby in the bathwater principle. When you go through change, you don't just throw everything out. There's a baby and there's bathwater. And, and, the baby for me was that I did love people. Um, I was always searching for a better way to get to somewhere faster, quicker, more efficiently, more enjoyably. Um, and because I was a student of that in the surf, it didn't take me very long to realize I'm a student of that in life as well, and it related to emotionally, mentally, metaphysically. Um, so with a bit of a help of a few people around me, um, sort of opening me up and and suggesting to me that I was hiding some vulnerability, that I um, I kind of cracked down the Iron Man shell and started to open up to who I really was before the Iron Man, which was, you know, a gentle kid that loves people. And um, and I, I believe that we can all win and we all should win and that we all should be winning together. So that kind of really aided the transition. I did an incredible, a, a beautiful course, a seminar that um, doesn't exist anymore, but it was. Um, what was it called? It was amazing. It was called, it was a human potentials organization was the organization right. um, but um, we did a course and it was a, a man that had traveled the world and and worked out that we're all going through the same stuff yeah and that when you sit down and give someone a bit of love and understanding um, they all unravel pretty similar and I was no different, you know that we have certain things that upset us and in this world, in this day and age, we value success so much, and we value appearances so much, and finances, and all the material things, that we forget to look in that little, that little metaphysical, that spiritual, or caring box over on the side. And so, because I was living in a society that didn't really value that, I didn't really know how to look there. And so, as soon as I got, you know, pushed in that direction, I really realised, wow, there's a whole lot more to life than winning Ironman races and everything else. And, and from there, it became a really easy, simple, natural transition. I never had a down period. <clears throat> never had a period where I was, oh, no, I'm missing racing. I just couldn't wait to get into what I was really here to do, which is, you know, explore and discover more of life and share it. Wow. That's incredible.
0: That's incredible. How, many, how many years ago was that that you kind of uh, you did that course and made that little, um, I suppose, metaphysical leap in spirituality yeah. and, and mindfulness?
2: Well, Damo, that was um, 1994. I did the course, so you could say I've been 20 a student student of it for 20 years. And I was before that without realising it. And I think it was uh, my my manager, funnily enough, who's just one of my best greatest mates and. Um, I was in Los Angeles doing something, and he gave me the book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Oh, oh nice. great book. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Very right. first. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Like at that age, I'm, I'm probably, not, that's probably 1993, I think. And that was the first time in my life that I'd read anything to do with spirituality, anything to do with energy, anything to do with you know a bigger picture. Um, And I was just I I read it. I was like I was reading about myself. I was going, that's what I think. That's what I feel. That's hang on, where's this coming from? You know. And I was I was just like a kid with a new toy. And so that gave me that first little opening to it. And then funnily enough, the same manager, um, Jeffrey Shoecraft, he actually sent me to a chiropractor, kinesiologist, um, NET master, who said, looked at me and, you know, looked me up and down and said, yeah, you've got some sort of intolerance, maybe dairy, and you've got some anger issues and, um, you know, and you need to deal with those. And I smiled at him and and You know, I had a smile on my face, but underneath, I was going, "Who the hell does this guy think he is?" You (laughs) You got angry. (laughs) Mental note to self: Maybe I do have an anger issue. Oh, that's funny. So, so that was um, that's what kind of that's when it happened around that '94 period, and then it was that Keith Maitland, incredible chiropractor and beautiful friend, and he then sent me on to those courses as well, and that was like the three stages: reading the book, realizing this is actually going on in my body. And then thirdly, exploring it in a in a safe sort of seminar situation, and really going through that awakening. And I got to tell you, at that time, my life was outside of racing was in chaos, financial problems, marriage problems, all that sort of stuff. And what happened was that I literally started to look at myself and view things more holistically, and view what I was carrying around with me, what baggage had I you know, conditioning that I carried with me and inherited along the way and and developed my own and made my own and all that. And as I released that stuff, all the other stuff came right without me touching it. And I could feel it changing as I was having the realizations. And that's when I went, wow, there is no no power like the metaphysical. If if you're able to clear something at a a quantum level and get an understanding of it, the rest of the world comes right. And I was was hooked from that point on. and, And that's you know literally the power of life really that no one's telling us about and that's what um i've gone on to teach myself and do with others and and that's why i do what i do now because i I realize well that that power and ability and, and the care that comes through and that trumps everything else it trumps hard work it trumps goal setting it trumps all that sort of stuff um to be able to get a heartfelt understanding of where you're actually at have an awakening so to speak um you know, I, I was blown away. And, of course, everything I did had no religious denomination to it. No, it wasn't even new agey. It was very feet on the ground. This is what's going on. This is what peace of mind you caught in. And this is what's going to happen if you stay in that. And you could say it was a, it was a real um, wake-up. It's, um, it's beautiful
0: to listen to you, Trev, because um, so often we meet people who are super fit, uh, incredibly motivated. Have uh, won multiple events, and you are a six times Ironman champion, like absolute champion. <laughs> yeah. Um, you actually did Ironman before Ironman existed, and uh, you know, and <laughs> and you uh, and but you have this peacefulness about you, this calmness about you, and it kind of makes me not even want to ask questions, but I need to because that's I just what I want to listen. Yeah, no, no, no. that's is what the new. listeners want. But <laughs> now I've got one child, I yeah. find my life pretty frantic and busy. Um, you've got four mm. children. One of your children is older now than what you were when you had her, and uh, mm-hmm. I did the maths, and that's pretty good. It took me two and a half years to pass first year accounting, and I could still work that <laughs> out, so that's pretty good. But you got uh, four beautiful children, and, uh, and it sounds like you're doing some travel. You're having a massive impact on um, athletes and people around Australia. How do you find work-life balance?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Demo. I... Um and I'll try and make a long story short here. I So I had my first uh, marriage with Jackie who was, you know, right through from that sort of childhood sweetheart thing, 18 years on, and it was seven years of just kind of a rocky road and it was amazing, lots of love, but we got so caught in all the dramas and all, and personally I did, all the rubbish that I was trying to aspire to and, and the believing in the ego and, you know, oh, I've won the race so I know what I'm talking about, all this sort of stuff, that at the same time, it became really loving but really destructive as well. And um, so when I did learn those lessons, so I had um, my first two children with Jackie and then I was in relationship with Joe when I – it was right about that period of time that I was beginning to you know go through that real wake-up to what life really means. And so I was getting major, major lessons around Jackie ex partner and – have we still got you here? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I lost, I lost you. <laughs> I was getting major, major lessons. But what happened was I the, everything that I learned from the past related to it was like moving forward and backwards. So I understood where I needed to go next and I understood what was missing from the past. So everything was better in the present as well. And so what's happened is… Um, Years later, I, I was talking at Jackie, my first wife. She had a, as a networking breakfast that she does, and it's a it's a very sort of spiritually care based breakfast but for people to come together and do a different style of business. and And I was speaking at it, and Joe was there, and Jackie was there, and we're one big extended family. And we've been through all sorts of ups and downs together, but there's a lot of love and care and a real sort of brotherly sisterly connection between all of us, you know. And so. I was speaking and someone got up and shared a story and they were blown away in the audience that we're all there together. There's my first wife and there's my second wife. There's the four kids and we're all in the one room. And someone was there. It it created a whole talk within the room. So it just kind of facilitated the talk rather than just did a keynote. Mm. And... Someone got up and said they told the story about a, an emperor, a Chinese emperor, who they pre- prepared this incredible pot and they come to present it to him on his visit to the city and they drop it and it smashes into like a thousand pieces. And everybody's horrified and this emperor that everybody loved it was very wise said, stop, don't touch it, just bring all the pieces back together. And he got them to glue the pieces back together in whatever order they fell, in whatever way they fell. And then he put this huge mosaic up on the wall of the pot as it was put back together after it was broken, and then he said to the people that was presented on the wall, and he, he represented it to everybody, he said, "Isn't that far more beautiful than the original pot?" And that's I, I literally, you know, cried on stage, standing there with my broken pieces of my life, and went, "Wow, what we've got now is far more beautiful than what." we would have had had I just gone down this path of what, you know, picket fences, cars, houses, mortgage and everything else. I was always destined to have a mess so I could have a really beautiful mess at the end of it that came together in in very organic ways. And so – in answering your question, that's how the work-life balance comes around. Is that we're all very invested in each other. In my children and and um, um, Jackie, I help her out, and Joe and I we travel together, and we're down in Melbourne together at the moment, and and work together as much as we can. And and uh, it's very much a you know a beautiful soulmate relationship, and there's just a lot of connection and love between the whole family. So. It's um, not hard to carry the slack for each other at different times and, and because we're very purpose invested, there's a real feeling that when one person's going out and work working, the other one's back at home supporting and, and cooking and cleaning and doing whatever and so a, a balance tends to work itself out but… You know, we haven't mastered it just yet, but it, it does create a sense of wherever I go, someone's got my back and, and I've got their back as well. And it's, it's more about love and purpose than it is about relationship and what you you can do for me and all that sort of stuff.
1: Wow, that is nice. incredible! I think you, you think you've got everyone listening uh, just uh, on the uh, edge of their seats here because it's just well, maybe just relaxing back and just listening to you. It's wonderful to hear, and uh, I'm thinking as you talk, Trevor. I'm just thinking about my upbringing and just thinking of that. of thinking of the of the pot mm. and putting all the pieces back together, and you and you do reflect. And it's whether you're aware of it or not. Putting it, it all the pieces have been put back together. It's just a matter of us observing and going, well, that is, that is more beautiful than the original, isn't it?
2: yeah it is the um, it's already there
1: it's just acknowledging it yeah
2: that, that's exa- i was just going to say the same thing it's the acknowledgement and the validation that that love the beauty of who we are is already there it's always there it's always working away in the background if it wasn't there we wouldn't still be here so we don't all this drama that we go through in life can't actually exist without who we really are without the spirit without the the essence of who we are so that Part of life just sits back behind, just doesn't say much, doesn't do much. But I'm, I'm looking for the words, but the, the the spiritual aspect of who we are, the essence, the, the you know, the true person, the, the true identity sits back behind everything and we all share it we're all connected at that level there's a truth there's a oneness to all of us and that's what's trying to reveal itself through all the ins and outs all the ups and downs so we sweat the small stuff we sweat this is going on and that's going on and we try and control it and it's all the all the things that we're trying to keep grips on that actually keep it from coming together in its beauty and us slowing down and recognizing Wow, I've got everything I need right here, right now, and whatever I need next will arrive next. You know, it's it's that simple.
1: Okay then. So this is my question. We've done sixty odd episodes of One Hundred Not Out. We've interviewed living legends and, and experts from all over the world on what it takes to age gracefully. There's a very clear pattern and one of and one part of the pattern is that they're all typically very optimistic people and yeah. but but knowing how that unfolds is that Optimism is often an effect of resilience, yes. and resilience is only built out of having tough times in your life. Yes, because you don't get resilience out of being cruisy. Yes. So, so how did you? Do you think you were uh, born optimistic, or did you have to go through when you went through challenges? Did you find you got down in the dumps and you worked your way through it to build that resilience which has then built that optimism which now uh, sees you living in what you'd call that beautiful mess?
0: Mm.
1: How, how did you, you know, was that the path that you went down or was it, was it something different?
2: Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I suppose once again, it's like an, a constant ongoing awakening that you don't know is happening. So, life's preparing you for wherever you ultimately decided you wanted to go. <laughs> um, so, I suppose for me, it's been different stages. What uh, the, the optimism that was always been there with me, I've always been sort of brighter and lighter, and and believed in in love and connection and can do a lot more yeah. than can't do. It's always that's always been natural to me. But I think that's been the kind of my floaties that have, have kept me going while I could learn how to swim, you know, and learning how to swim is more being able to just relax and lay on your back and know oh, it's all going to work out anyway and it's more of an allowance and a deeper deeper sense of knowing that it is all connected, there's nothing to sweat and panic. And at the same time, uh, I still have the power as does everybody, we all have the power to make a decision at any moment and direct your own ship, you know, to steer your own ship to where you want to go. and um, you know, so there's that sense of destiny and fate that's going on, that there's certain things that we're going to experience no matter what. Um, but there's an end objective that's more of a, a spiritually unseen objective for most people, and that is I need to learn about this, this and this. And I wrote a program recently called the the Boot Camp for the Soul. I've just and, been I've just been reading it. I've just been looking at it. Yeah. I'm going,
0: Oh, I wish it wasn't virtual. I wanna you know <laughs>
2: We will be. Oh, well, I'll do actually some boot camp for the soul workshops eventually. But um, but I wrote it. I called it the boot camp for the soul because I realised that life is one big boot camp for the soul. Mm, you know, every day you have to wake up and front up again, and the whole time the fitness that you're working on is soul fitness, and it's not really fitness. It's soul identification. It's soul. You know, just like you work on a muscle till so you can see it. Mm-hmm. It's like acknowledging the soul until it shines through and. And that's what life's trying to do for us. When we do it unconsciously, it's happening anyway, but it's happening on a slow upward spiral that often feels like a downward spiral. So it can be slow and tedious and any kind of good spiritual curriculum or understanding just leads it to be a little bit faster. Like you just go, oh, you put your attention on it and go, oh, that's true. That's happening for me. And by seeing it, it accelerates. So I literally kind of realized later in my life that life is one big boot camp for the soul, that there are certain things um, that if we didn't have this mess in our mind, we'd all be able to see this. If we weren't grown up with this conditioning lifestyle, tough and you should try hard and we're all individual and all these Mm. core beliefs that are a load of rubbish, like false premises of life, if we can clear those out of the way, those junk viewpoints, everybody knows this. People go, I've worked with so many people that go, I know this, I've always felt this, this is what I feel. Yeah, no, I feel like we can all pull it off and I love that person and someone's telling me I should hate them and all this sort of stuff. It's like winning and moving forward to us and aging gracefully and all that sort of stuff is actually very simple and natural to us. We just got to get all this other junk out of the way, and that's, you know, my great teacher many years ago. He said, if you're really, really going for it and really willing and looking to 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 observe your own stuff and clear your own patterns, it would take about twelve weeks, about three months, you know, a bit of life experience, bit of it. You could undo all the mindsets and all the things and actually clearly live in that peace and harmony that that someone like an Eckhart Tolle is living in already. You could live in that in three months, no problems. If, you, if you're if you really willing and that's when I – so when I wrote the Boot Camp for the Soul, I made it online and virtual because the idea is that you don't need to go to somebody to do it. All the answers are in yourself. You can do it in your own life. It's best played out in your own life and I did it over 12 weeks because it's an unfolding just to go, oh, this viewpoint leads to this one, leads to this one and release all this stuff until so eventually you go – hang on, that's right, we've been duped here. We are far more powerful than we realize. We're very capable and look out if we ever all realize that together because there's a, there's a big problems on the planet that would be small problems to us if we all had the awareness to be able to come together and, and creatively sort them out.
1: Now, Trev, it's quite clear that we're just getting warmed up here. Is there any possible chance that you can hang with us for another 20 minutes to do a double episode?
2: Absolutely, no problems.
1: Fantastic. Well, folks, we'll come back with Trevor Hendy on the next episode of 100 Not Out. Remember, uh, if you, we'd love to hear your feedback on this. Is you can provide it in any number of ways, but the best way is to go to our website at www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 Not Out. Remember, if you've liked this episode, which no doubt you have, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts, including the number one show, The Wellness Guy. So until next week, where we bring you part two of Trevor Hendy continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life.
0: Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. It's less than 100 days until the Wellness Summit and we are jumping out of our skins to be with you at Crown Melbourne on Saturday, August 16 and 17, 2014. If you want to take your summit experience to a whole new level, then I urge you to join us as a VIP. This year, we have two VIP levels, not just one, two. We have gold and platinum. Both include front row seats, DVD recordings of the event, goodies from our speakers, intimate VIP only time with the speakers and mass vouchers which can be used on future wellness couch events and products to take your summit experience to the next level go to www.thewellnesssummit.com but be quick VIP spots are limited and they will sell out see you at the summit this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives